0: Claudia Bueno is an internationally recognized Venezuela-born artist renowned for creating immersive technological wonders using light, sculpture, painting, and sound. Claudia creates large-scale multi-sensory experiences that communicate a profound sense of wonderment and awe. Lights, motors, wind, and video power her creations with pulsations and movements.
1: Claudia Bueno, welcome to The Creative Process. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I think artists are often traditionally interpreting light, but your art is light forms, but you're reflecting light off of it. And so it's very interesting and evanescent, and it has all of these indefinable qualities of movement that is so beautiful. So how did you come to realize this was your medium? Because this is a newer territory for many artists.
2: Light has been my the focus of my art since university. So I grew up in Venezuela, and that's where I went to school. I remember that the, the teacher allowed me to build like a little dark room in my studio there so that I could start playing with lights. And I started with Christmas lights and lamps and candles, any easy forms of light that I could get there and just uh, create with. And so the the research sort of became focused on the shadows more than the light. Like the light was the means to create shadows and shadows were the main part of my art. I was doing silhouette work and shadows that moved with motors or wind. You know, if I if I move the light source and the shadows are projected on walls and they're moving and they're changing. So that's how the movement and the light became part of my process. And what's um what I find, I'm finding really interesting right now is that after 20 years of working with lights. I'm now realizing that it's shifted and the focus is no longer the shadow. It is the light itself. And that has been a really beautiful process for me to, to witness because it is closely connected to a deep process that I have been dedicating to for the last seven, eight years of inner discovery and inner healing. And so it's a little bit of a, like a mer- metaphor that the more, the more I get in touch with my own light inside of myself, then, then this is uh, getting filtered through the art. And, and now the art is more luminous and more alive. Use my art as a gateway to talk about emotional health and inner healing and what that is and what tools are there to help us find that light within us and kind of ignite it and keep it alive and grow it and make it more shiny, more luminous. And that has to do with our authentic expression and our creativity. So it's all really making sense for me now
1: in a very, in a new plane, I guess. I believe that teaching is teaching creativity, putting people in touch with their feelings and healing is also part of your artistic practice.
2: It is, yes. It has been, um, again, the last decade as I discover things that help me be more authentic, tap into my own expression, be more creative, more alive, feel more alive, more joyful, more playful. I can't help myself from wanting to just share these things. So I have a strong interest in figuring out how to combine teaching art, teaching creativity with a program that weaves these tools inside of it that help us become just more us. And and, uh, I really like that. And then the other part of it is that my art aesthetically is heavily inspired by nature. I live, um, I've chosen to live in places that are one of the most beautiful places in the world in in Idaho, right next to the Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone. They're impressive places full of nature and wildlife, and they're just really powerful nature places, lakes, rivers, lush forests. Everything is here, and it's stunning. And um, I've been studying nature and just using it as my biggest inspiration and, and role model for for what can be created. I feel like everything is out in nature. If you look at light and you study light, you can gain so much understanding about what you can do with light in your art. Or if you study the patterns you find in pine cones and flowers and coral and anything then that's that's all that's coming into my art as far as the aesthetics go so I create these really large uh, webs that are interconnected which start from something that came from nature but then they become their own thing it's like a network of life through my own filter through my own lens Um, but the message here is that we are all nature we are part of it we're not separate from it and we're all interconnected, and that, again, like the intention with my work is inviting the the sense of awareness and responsibility that that brings. If you see yourself as as part of this interconnected web, and that you see others also connected to you, then you understand your role in life, and you understand what your behaviors, the impact of the way you live life, and your behaviors and your patterns, and so. Again, it's a gateway to talk about other things that to me really
3: matter. So I wanted to ask, um, because using uh, light or shadow is just such a unique way that a lot of people don't start off with when they uh, get into art. So I'm curious as to what made you begin using light and shadow for artworks instead of paper and pencil or inks (laughs) or the traditional mediums
2: yeah great question thank you it was a direct consequence of um on my last year of university i got a scholarship to go to spain for a year and there i was um i had access to technology that i didn't have back home (laughs) in my developing world in venezuela so in spain i joined classes that um Theater that were about theater, theater lighting and set design and animation. And so in theater, I got in touch with working with lights for the first time. And I understood how lights can completely transform a space. They can color it, they can change it, they can create moods, atmosphere. So I I became really fascinated with the potential of this. And then in animation, I I just fell in love with the idea of movement. My art has never stayed. It's always called for some sort of dynamic movement so that it comes to life and and it has a surprise flow that's ever-changing. This is part of my, I guess, my nature since always. So I do paintings and I do more traditional work, but it seems like it always just wants to come out of the paper into the 3D world and somehow gain movement. So light allowed me to start
1: experimenting with this. thought that uh, you must have uh, some connection to theater because when you said it was an early part of your process from the beginning, um, the scale that you work on and this um, collaboration with light itself, it seemed very theatrical.
2: I haven't, but I am definitely open. I feel like um, as my work has become more large scale and immersive, it could have a place in theater if it if the opportunity came along. So yeah, it's something that I've always been interested in. In fact, back then when I went to those theater classes, um, I think for a second there I, I was doubting: should I just pursue theater instead of traditional arts? And uh, so
1: yeah, it's there. And going into your the natural um, inspiration for your work. Uh, you know, fractals. If I, I, we see in the background there, there is these very intricate. Is it? I, I don't know if it's a wire. <laughs> these are um, oh, it's on glass. They're also
2: my sculptures. Yeah. I so I, they're metal and uh-huh. they're just cut oh, out okay. and they have um, the local mountains and local vegetation. They're very vins- whimsical interpretations of what's really important to us locals here in this area. So I have the moose, the bear, it's, it's the animals that we all love and protect here that yeah. make this place really special. So nature has been a part of my life since, since I'm little, since I was little. My parents always took us camping and adventuring and to the ocean. And so it was always part of my life growing up. And then as an adult, more and more, it's just what I'm seeking to be in nature, more time every day, if possible. And um, it's determined really where I live, it's become that important to me that I want to live in places where nature is right outside your door, and uh, you don't have to go far to access and be in it so it's more like you're living inside of nature, (laughs) I find it um, so grounding and so it's like when you're wrapped up in your own crazy world, whatever you're doing, whatever situation, personal situation you have with work or relationships or family or health, anything, you go out in nature and you, you, you just sort of see that nature keeps going the same way. It's not, there isn't any drama happening out here. There isn't any personal situation. It's, it's nature just flowing the way nature flows. And to me, to have that reminder every day to sort of like reset, it just helps me. It's like a switch every day that I can click. <laughs> reset, it's okay. Life keeps going, everything is great. It's all gonna work out. So nature is that for me, it's it's, it's my temple, sacred place, sacred place. And, and every time I go out, I just find visuals that I find so interesting that then somehow become part of the art that I do.
1: Oh yes, nature is a beautiful uh, designer. And so, in terms of your uh, creativity, um, I guess spirituality must come into these workshops um, or centering people. How do you begin those? I mean, what are some of the lessons that you like to impart?
2: The biggest piece of my spirituality, and, and it's also what I try to invite with my art, is to find moments of connection with yourself. We live in such a such a stimulating world where things are always happening. And it seems like every time we have downtime, we pick up our phones and get on Instagram and see something that's stimulating that has nothing to do with our lives. So we're always taken somewhere, somewhere else, somewhere else, someone else's life, someone else's Facebook feed, news, this and that, right? And uh, I think we're forgetting to, to give ourselves moments where we can actually connect with what's happening inside of us. And a lot of us don't even know how to do that, don't have never learned it right, so this is a big part of it is is this is a skill that can be learned through many techniques, I have my techniques that work for me I started. A while ago some years ago going to silent meditation retreats for many days and uh, those for me are the most effective ways of of just. Breaking all the walls that I've put in and going straight into my own heart, my own soul, my own being, my own essence. And when I've been able to do that, is when I'm able to tap into my most creative spaces as well. So it's like going in helps me then come out from a new angle, a new perspective, a new strength, a new power. So I really like offering spaces where people can do that. So For example, um, I work with women's circles and I just love offering a group of women spaces to come in and uh, be vulnerable and uh, be real and just open up. And so with creative exercises that sometimes include movement or drawing or sound or music or any creative way of of tapping into this content that we are so used to just blocking and holding in. (laughs) And so then the invitation is let's use creativity to invite it to come out and, and so that we can process it because if it doesn't come out, it can not be processed, it can not be healed, it can be released. So the first step is to open the door. And I feel like the creative space, the studio is such a perfect container for this work. So this is a strong intention for me is to continue opening spaces like this where creativity and spirituality can come together and people can learn learn tools that might help them connect with themselves and, and not just themselves, but like feel connected with the universal forces, the universal creations and uh, whatever they feel and experience as their God, if God is a word in their vocabulary or their, you know, there's many words that we can use to relate to this um, just bigger, bigger expression of life that's that we're part of.
3: So I'm curious, um... You talk about these these workshops you do, um, but your art is is so uh, intricate. With it looks like so many layers. I wonder, do you see? How do you see these works in your mind? How do they come together? Are they one big picture that's already moving around in your mind, or is it like you draw them on like tracing paper and layers, and you just keep adding mm-hmm. things? Or
2: yeah, it's a little bit of both. So this work in particular that you're referring to referring to i call it pulse and it's that multi work that has a light system that makes it look like it's oscillating and pulsating and moving this is something that i started working on about seven years ago and i've been refining and refining this technique so it's been a long process of experimenting getting familiar with this way of thinking and trial and error right so there is that, but also when I sit down to, to compose, so this, this installation that you saw, it's, it's a big room, right? It has three walls. When I sit down to compose it, I somehow my brain can think how these things are going to move before I even draw them. Like I can picture them. Okay. There's a spiral and it's going to come out as it like opens and it turns to the left. Let's just say, right. Cause it's coming forward, but it's also traveling in some direction either spinning or going up or going down or something so I can picture these and then I can draw them in just paper I can draw all the layers already and I I can somehow this is kind of like how my brain works (laughs) and uh, I can just draw it and then we translate that into all the different layers and it actually works so when I see it come true and it's like Yes, it worked the way I thought it would be. It's a really exciting moment. (laughs) But yeah, somehow I can envision this even before making it, which to me is really special because it's like my own, I don't know, it's my own thing.
0: Listening to Claudia's interview made me think a lot about my own experiences with nature, and how people's overall relationship with nature has changed pretty drastically over time. Those changes can be more or less drastic across various cultures, but I would say those changes exist everywhere to some extent. Human relationships to nature remain complicated. There can be a lot of mixed emotions related to the different facets of nature, For example, it's currently snowing where I am, and while I think snow is really pretty, I'm dreading the possibility of a full-on blizzard. Ultimately, though, we gain more from experiencing nature in all its complexity rather than trying to avoid it somehow. And so, like many artists, Claudia takes a lot of inspiration for her works from the natural world, And indeed, in a modern society in which nature has become more separated from our daily lives, and our daily awareness of natural goings-ons has diminished, it makes sense that walking back into natural spaces could evoke a sense of awe and contentment, as if walking back into a forgotten memory or dream. It makes sense that nature could be a powerful source of inspiration like nothing else. Human beings are part of nature, and we'll always have an unbreakable connection to the Earth, even if we have a bad habit of causing destruction on various scales of impact. Claudia's use of technology and quote-unquote man-made materials to evoke patterns that exist in nature is an approach to creation that many people in the realm of sustainability are hoping to take, not just artists. For instance, I am personally interested in sustainable urban development and there's been a lot of talk about how cities can better incorporate trees and energy systems that benefit residents while making cities less in opposition to the natural environment surrounding them. Wouldn't it be great if everything we built created no ugliness? If everything you saw was created with care and with respect to nature? I think there's a lot to be learned from artistic and philosophical approaches to creation and to the environment, and a lot that can be applied to current issues. Now,
1: back to the interview. You were recently doing an interview with the origami master, Robert Lang. And now your work isn't origami per se, but with your work on fractals or this unfolding or this cutting away you know it's dealing with this kind of absences and if it's all of one piece it seems like well I think that you have fewer rules than the organ (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm just wondering you know what kind of constraints are you working with Uh, but it's a kind of unfolding or how does how does that work it
2: depends on the space, right? Like, there's a lot of um, projects that I am working with that have to respond to specific space. So then I would say the constraints are are just given by the features of the building. Like, where's the light coming from? How much weight can we hang from this ceiling? Um, what is the trajectory of people inside this building? Do things have to be out of reach? Can they be within reach? There's like all these, Sort of like requirements when you work in spaces that are, are public, not private. And um, a lot of it is like, so I do, as, as you've seen, these, these sort of uh, vine work uh, webs that grow inside spaces. So the last, one of the last projects I did, the fractals for Meow of Las Vegas, was it had to be, it had to grow around all these unpredictable unpredicted elements that I found in the space that I didn't know were going to be there like air ducts and pipes and grids of metal and trusses and all these things that were up in the ceiling so the challenge and I guess the yeah the challenge is how to have the art grow around all these elements and, and turn them into part of the art and I like that challenge. I like it's like what if nature took over an abandoned building? It would just do that, right? So it's that's kind of how I see it. Can I come in with nature and just let it grow in a space that already has elements and features that are there and aren't changing?
1: <laughs> it's amazing the uh, the beauty of nature of course and the wildness. I mean, we've seen that uh during covid. I mean, I'm in Paris and you know every you know, we have parks, we have beautiful parks, but it's (laughs) not a lot of uh, untamed nature, but you know, the the boats that are constantly on the Seine, you know, bringing the tourists up and down, uh, you know, once they had stopped during coronavirus, it's just the the plant life and uh, and the fish and it all just flourished in, you know, just uh, a few weeks even. And uh, you may even see it, you're in Idaho, right? yes mm-hmm. yeah so it's even more already wild but i'm sure you saw like the the animals becoming braver and freer mm-hmm. and happier <laughs> i i heard about this a lot
2: and it's so beautiful and i just i'm so impressed with the resiliency of of nature and, and us included in it humans right how we just adapt and come back and readapt again and COVID was such a great example uh, that allowed us to see that we're, we are that we can adapt and creatively change the ways we live the ways we do business the ways we we interact with people because we have to we have to keep going and so i guess that's one of the silver linings of of COVID is that it 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 helped us all tap into our creative places we had to <laughs> we had to be creative to live in a different way and function uh, but going back to the nature, I love these stories like the one you're telling. Here for us in Idaho, we didn't notice it because nature here is is, um, we're secondary here. Nature is what's present. The humans that live here were 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 a very small fraction of this area. So we didn't notice changes because nature here is already unpolluted and beautiful and pristine and free and not not controlled, not diminished.
1: Yeah. And do you do, in your workshopping with adults, are you working with children sometimes? Not lately. When I was younger, I started working with
2: children. Um, A couple years ago, I was working with um, teenagers. Uh, But lately I've been focusing mostly with women, um, adult women. And, uh, but this is a part of me that is going to continue growing. Um, Some years ago, I started to develop a retreat business that would offer travel, creativity, and uh, inner growth, inner healing altogether. And that's a process that's three years in; it's still in the works. um, But uh, it's going to come soon, I hope. And so then that'll be available for many, many people.
1: And would that involve going back to Venezuela? And I'm also wondering mm-hmm. um, how uh, Venezuela may have inspired uh, your imagination. Mm-hmm.
2: So that piece, yes, Venezuela is a very stimulating place. Um, it's a developing country. It's chaotic. It's busy it's where I live, right, in, in Caracas, in the main city. But it's also a very... Um, wild, natural place with a lot of diversity. So I got to escape the city very often and just be immersed in really, really exotic, amazing places where, yeah, untouched, pristine. So it definitely influenced my my interests since little. And a giant part of who I am is growing up in my mother's studio. She's an artist. And uh, so I grew up making my own toys, my own masks, my own hats and puppets. And so we worked with any kinds of of things that we would find outside, sticks and rocks and whatever we found. And also, you know, paints and crayons. And but we were always in her studio making things and creating and inventing. So I owe her and that space a big part of my the, the place where I de- started de- developing um artistic skills
1: people are so curious about creativity uh, but when you're born into it it's your family business and so like you don't have a choice <laughs> and it's like you don't know that there are people out there who like struggle like they think oh how I would do something original and it's like mm-hmm. I don't know but you kind of have an example so I think that that's very freeing how was that inspiring or Always inspiring. I never felt
2: limited, always encouraged, inspired. Any new interest I had to work with a new material or learn a new technique, I I got the support from both my parents to go take the classes and go to the courses and learn how to sew and learn how to do jewelry and learn how to do this. And so my creativity was fed by both of them all the time. So it was ever expansive. And I'm so grateful for that. And and going back to your first question about would these retreats take take place in Venezuela? Unfortunately, Venezuela is going through a really really difficult time. It's a very dangerous, unstable place, and so right now it wouldn't be a good idea to bring people there. But I, we still have hope that things could change, and and one day I could because it is it is such a beautiful beautiful place that has a lot to offer, yeah. You know.
1: And So the, is your family still there or are they in America now?
2: My parents still live in Venezuela. My, my brother left a long time ago the same way I left a long time ago. The younger generation um, try to make a life somewhere else because it's been already over 20 years of a country declining dramatically everything about it the economy, the safety, the health, like everything. so we noticed this a long time ago and a lot of us just left and started lives somewhere else because it wasn't a place where we wanted to build a future and and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. So it's a very sad situation there in a humanitarian crisis and under the regime of a very very um, abusive dictator so
1: it's not an easy thing to change you know it's interesting how that also influences the imagination because even if you want to go home is is home a place where you can live Is it's not the place where you were when you were a child and that that creates openings as well in longing and longing in the imagination you get the inspiration through the generations
2: Yes, um, we are definitely as close as families can be. We are so close and we keep in touch. And uh, even though we don't see each other often, we're part of each other's almost daily lives. And uh, thank goodness, too. <laughs> but what you were saying about that that feeling of home and having to leave it without really choosing to leave it, that's how we most of us feel. We didn't necessarily want to leave, but we felt like we had to. And so what's happened is that Venezuelan families, which are normally big families, where, you know, we're Latin culture, every Sundays we got together and it was over 40 people in one place having lunch. We're big families and we hang out and we like being together. And uh, families got completely dissolved, dispersed. And they have members of the family, you know, there's families who have one uh, daughter or son in a different continent. And that's how it was, because you could just sometimes you don't get to pick where you go. It's just where you find opportunities. So it's a really strange situation where there's only a few people left and it's mostly the older generation that stayed behind. And um, there's no things aren't getting better. So there's no feeling like we're going to go back home. I think we've all just understood we we have lives elsewhere and that's how it is. And uh, yeah, there's there's nostalgia that goes goes around this situation, yeah, and a sense of grief and loss for sure.
3: So, do you think that this this kind of situation has helped um, with that kind of connection and feeling towards nature? Because wherever you go, there's always nature. So it's kind of like you can connect to your home in this some way, even if it's not the same animals, the same place, the same plants they are connected through some way. Do you think that has an impact on why you love using nature so much?
2: That is such a beautiful reflection. Thank you for offering that. Um, I hadn't fully conceived it that way. And when I heard you say it, it really resonated. Like, yes, that makes sense. That makes sense because all of us have had to develop a sense of home elsewhere. And with me in particular, Um, I've been traveling and living in different countries for the last 20 years since I was 22 so it's not even that I have a a play a, a geographical place that is my new home because I've moved around and so every three or four years I'm in a new place new community new people new friends and so it makes sense now that I really like thinking about that like nature is my home because it doesn't matter where I am it's it's available and it's there and it's always giving me the same sort of nourishment thank you Carla. that that was a beautiful thought
1: (laughs) so what projects are you working on now it's still in lights or is it secret
2: I will give you a little bit of it uh, without saying exactly what it is. There's many things in the works. So many, many projects, some public art projects are in the works. There's a project that I'm really interested in um, that is very close to starting the development phase. And uh, this one is in Asia with an NGO that's noticed that their younger generations have grown not understanding that culture and nature are essential parts of our lives and they're concerned (laughs) and so they they're bringing me in to create an experience an an immersive experience that talks about this and they're hoping that because it is an immersive experience and it's engaging and it uses technology and it moves and it's like really cool to watch to look at it'll be um, it'll give them access to give workshops and and just help educate that nature is important, culture is important. And so I'm really interested in this project. This is very in line with just the nature, the heart and soul of my work already. Um, There is a TV show that's also in the works that I'm very, very excited about and it has to do with art in the world and immersive art specifically. So yeah big things coming along. Uh, I also have my own small smaller scale things that I always work on like small sculptures and uh, jewelry and I'm also oh yeah you see it so I'm also doing smaller iterations of the polls in Vegas for private collections people who just want to have a smaller piece in their living room or something. So there's there's both right now in the process, public art and then also private commissions. But yeah, it's all it's a, it's an incubating time right now for me with lots of movement, lots of interest, ideas, experimentation, and I think soon there's going to be a number of
3: works in track. <laughs> I just have one more small question. Um, I'm curious, because your work focuses so much on nature, uh, the interesting contradiction between you using digital technology Mm -hmm. for all of this nature-inspired art. Obviously, traditional art can't do everything digital can and vice versa, Um, but I'm (laughs) curious about what what you think uh, about that contradiction. uh...
2: I was actually having a conversation with someone about this yesterday because you're right. It is a contradiction in a way. And um, we were talking about why, so we we feel and, and we know that immersive art and high technology art is becoming a big thing in the world right now. So we're thinking, we're reflecting, why is this? Why do we need this immersion? Why do we need the high technology?
3: And again, it goes
2: back to we are so stimulated all the time that we've we've become a little bit immune to responding to small things. So it's taking all this extra stimulation and intense lights and interaction and sound and things that are beeping. And, you know, it's just taking like so much more to get us to actually stop in our tracks and watch and observe and like, just sort of like take things in. Because otherwise, they're just, we're blind to them right now, because there's so much. But the irony is that, you know, yes, I'm creating these natural worlds that involve technology. But when I go out, so when I finished Vegas, and I was there for two months working and seeing everybody putting up their projects, and these really beautiful, high-tech, high-budget projects coming coming up and being formed, I came back to nature and i was i remember walking in the forest and just looking around and seeing and realizing it's the same thing it it is the same thing i am walking in this forest and i'm seeing textures and lights and sounds and color and i'm seeing water flowing and i'm seeing effects and you know it's like (laughs) it's all here it's the same yet somehow we need all the other stuff so that we respond and we actually get to feel something. So it's a pretty interesting observation and realization and and, um, I can take it as a, a little bit sad and overwhelming, but also I think the twist is, well, let's work with the language that works today. And if that's the language that works today, let's use it in favor of personal growth and still talking about the things that matter and respect for nature and how we're connected to everybody and relationships and love and God. And, you know, all of these things are topics that can be presented through high technology immersive experiences. So,
1: yeah. That's true. Sometimes uh, we do need to be reminded and sometimes because we are so, I don't want to say jaded but our eyes can be filmed or glazed by technology so that we might need an amplification to appreciate the underlying subtle beauty of nature um, which is so amazing when you do take time to notice it so in closing you know as you think about the future um, arts education technology and the environment of course and the kind of world we're leaving the next generation What are some lessons that have been been important to you? And what are some things that you would like young people to know, preserve and remember? Mm -hmm.
2: Many things. Um, My hope is that doing these immersive immersive experiences can serve as an example and inspiration for the younger generations to not be afraid of big ideas, to really go for the big ideas, to find out what their what their potential is as that particular individual, we're all different. We all have different gifts. Can we find them, exponentially grow them and really take them to the biggest expression that we can think of? Because if it is possible for me, it is possible for anybody. And so I'm hoping that it's a little bit of like, wow, I somebody did this with their hands, somebody painted this entire room with a team of people, I can do this too. And then that to me is so important because again, going back to creativity, it's, um, I think as long as we're living life creatively, we're expanding, we're growing, we're connecting, we're reflecting. Like creativity brings in so many great things into our lives and it helps us discover who we are, discover our gifts, discover our purpose, discover our genius. And then if we can actually start designing our lives to bring forward this genius that we have, that's, that's particularly just ours. I think that's when we can start, we can start living a purpose-filled life and a joyful life and a happy life because we are doing exactly what's in line with our nature. So we're living authentically and it's aligned. Everything in us is aligned. And then when things are aligned, it's like you get propelled forward. Mm -hmm. So I hope that that's a big part of what art can offer the young
3: generations.
1: Oh, well, that's a really uh, beautiful message and so well put, uh, Claudia. And so, uh, yes, you, you really help us um, find our uh, joie de vivre, as we say. And uh, so thank you, Claudia Bueno, for your art that inspires us to regain our sense of wonder and appreciation of the beauty of the natural world and how we're all nature and part of one organism. Thank you for adding your voice to the group.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was uh, a wonderful place to reflect and connect. An extension of the creative process. So thank you for offering that.
1: Our pleasure.
0: The Creative Process Podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk and Carla McCarran. Associate Interviews Producer on this podcast was Larissa Bushkin. Digital Media Coordinator is Phoebe Bross. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Anadolis and performed by the Athenian Trio. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you would like to get involved with our creative community, exhibitions, podcasts, or submit your creative works for review, email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thanks for listening!